I'm sitting here in my own house, minding my own business. Where you been? I don't think you can. I've been having a hell of a time. When I'm bad. End of question for the period. Welcome to High Camp, the podcast where I try to watch all 406 movies from an out-of-print gay film guide before I die. I'm your host, Brian Rucker, and uh, I'm really excited. Today, we're going to have a really special episode, a special movie, a special guest, She is an actress, a writer, a musician, a good friend of mine. Please welcome Bridget Ryan. Yes. How are you doing? I'm I'm good. Good. I'm good. How are are you? I'm excellent. Um, I'm really excited to be talking with you and to be talking about this movie. Mm -hmm. We're talking about Andy Warhol's Heat. Heat. Not Michael Mann's Heat. This is Andy Warhol's Heat from 1972. Mm -hmm. Uh, But before we dive into that... I wanted to like, I don't know, say something topical at the beginning of each episode or like just what am I doing with my day? But yeah. this is not going to come out for a month. Right. So. But 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 a, a listener wants to know, right? Sure. That's how you build trust. I mean, if anyone doesn't know, well, not like you would you would know, but the first Democratic debates were last oh, night. Oh, Brian, did you, of course you watched well, them. Well, yeah, yes. I'm crazy. Yeah. I watched them and ugh, we'll not talk about this very long because literally this happened a month ago. Uh, and I was on just social media reading everyone's takes today. And then I was like, I need to stop doing this. And then I went on, um, the Trader Joe's subreddit and that made me feel calm. Uh Uh-huh. Um, I, 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 I don't know whether I want to know about the Trader Joe's subreddit, but I do. Oh, you do. (laughs) I could do a whole podcast about the Trader Joe's subreddit. Oh, uh, okay. Wait. Okay. But I do want to know, like, what can you describe your state of mind and what you were doing? Like, how, what your body language was while you were watching the debates yesterday? Oh, I'll tell you what my, my body language was like (laughs) hunching over because my phone was dying. So I had to like plug in my phone uh, and the plug was, is not like right next to the couch. So I was in order to like look at Twitter while I was, cause I was watching it live, which I usually, I just don't watch anything live anymore. Yes, you do. I don't, I feel like. When do I, the when Tonys? does The Tonys? I feel like you guys, you, <laughs> Once you a year. and Brian, all award shows. I mean, John, yeah. Uh, what, event television. I feel like you are, I don't know. That's what I associate sure. with Sure. <laughs> awards shows. Okay, fine. Okay. Um, awards shows and okay, presidential I, I cut you off. No, no, no. So you were you were reaching for a dying phone. Like just to see and then listening to people screaming, not screaming at each other, whatever. It was fine. There's a lot of yeah. great candidates. It, they're all better than Trump, so whatever. Don't give anyone advice. <laughs> yeah. Stop. I don't know. Stop. We'll stop talking about it. Oh, God, I should have a politics <laughs> podcast. Uh, uh, what did you do last night? What did I do last night? Uh, I I watched the sunset. And oh. wrote, oh God, <laughs> polished it. my movie. Oh, wow. Yeah. So yeah, you're, well, you don't need to like t- go into details, but you're working on a, a feature. I'm working on a feature. Yes. Um, I mean, before that, you saw me, we both saw each other at. Don't. It- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We saw, we saw each other in Santa Monica. Yeah, we saw each other. Uh, who knows what we were doing. something shameful. <laughs> doing something shameful there. I, I, it took me six hours more than you. So this is <laughs> we don't need to go a there. commercial audition. Yeah. It's horrible. We're, Men went a, first. I think it's discriminatory. Wait, you were there for six hours? That's like, that has to be partly at least your fault. Like you went yes, before your fully, okay. fully. Yes. But that's truly but crazy. But we're all trying to make it work. So sure. like, <laughs> because unless they're, unless they're always going to give you the windows. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, no, I, yeah. No. Okay. Again. We need to start a commercial edition podcast, but that's for another. <laughs> My life is swirling with media and sunsets. Yeah. So you right watch the sunset. That's so nice. Uh-huh. It was, yeah. You, have you seen it from my house ever? <laughs> from your house. Do you go up on a roof? No, right out it's my window. Right it's over window. a mountain. I don't think I've ever been to your house at like twilight. No. Yeah. You and Kate came over once. Yes. But I. Earlier in the day, probably. Earlier in the day, probably. Um, that's so nice. I want to, I want to host. You know, I, that's that's going to be a 2020 project is what kind of host am I? Oh, sure. And what I kind of- feel like when I moved to L.A., I was hosting things. Mm-hmm. John and I would host. Yes. But now it's bo- both because I think we're 
a combination of busy and lazy and like we don't host people. But then I'm always afraid because I have two cats mm -hmm. and I feel like there's always someone that's allergic to cats. There and is. I have yeah. sympathy for that because I used to be allergic to cats until mm -hmm. I had them. Mm -hmm. But it's always like, do I invite people over? I don't know. Uh, I guess so that's not a good reason. I, yeah, but do you feel like you're excluding people because you have cats? No, but it's, I definitely know the people in my life that are allergic to cats yeah. and I know that they're not going to come over. So then I just stop inviting them. Mm -hmm. And it's like a big percentage of people. It's, I mean, they're probably not going to be able to do this podcast either because I'm doing oh. it at home, but who knows? Wow. Take a Zyrtec, guys. Take a Zyrtec. Wow. The, yeah. This podcast is only for the people with antibodies to cat. That's true. Supplies. It's discriminatory. Uh, so you watched your sunset. Your sunset. sunset. I, and it was beautiful. It was just me and my sunset, yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. Uh, have you been watching any, like, media, non-sunset media, movies or TV lately that you think people should be watching? Well, I don't know whether people should be watching it, but I I have been watching a lot of nature documentaries. That's cool. Yeah. Um, the, David Att Attenborough's yes. Voice is Soothing. Is this, like... Planet Earth or Blue Planet or one of those All ones? of them. Oh, I okay. just kind of like have it on. Uh, I just kind of have it on. You know, I'm. let's see. I'm watching uh, Earth stuff. And um, I think I'm like in a, I'm between stuff. You know, like, flea, yeah. you know, when you watch something like Fleabag and then you get pouty. That there's not like. Because more. it's so good and there's. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're like, you know, I don't feel I didn't. It feels like a new sensation that that having, you know, 478 new shows a year it's crazy. obviously does to the brain. Right. Yeah. And you like I I was someone who I've always, you know, loved movies and TV and I've watched a lot of them throughout my life. Yeah. But I feel like up until, I don't know, three or four years ago, I was up on everything that yeah. I needed to be up on. Mm -hmm. And now you just have to. Uh, there's no way you can do that. Mm -mm. Um, so what you, did you, you like about being like what part of the identity of being up on things did you attach to and like? Uh, I think just the feeling current, feeling part of yeah. something, <laughs> feeling like knowledgeable about stuff, mm. which I, I mean, I still do to some extent. Uh, if people are talking about, say, a Bosch, in, which you probably watch. Oh, I, was, I, I mean, I, again, I could do a whole podcast on Bosch. No, I love Bosch. Okay. It's a great I, police procedural. Okay. Yeah. I don't even know what it was. And I, it's just like a, a It's reference. like a detective show. Yeah. 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 Okay, uh, what don't you watch? Uh, something about women empathizing with each other. Uh, oh, that's my other favorite. Well, I, I would talk about Big Little... I could talk about Big Little Lies forever. I wish I... Um, you know, HBO isn't part of my budget right now. Yeah, and I I'm, get it. Yeah. We have um, the DirecTV streaming, DirecTV Now. So since AT&T owns both DirecTV and HBO, it's yeah. only $5 a month. We're doing the commercial edition now. Oh, yes. Bye. Direct TV now. Like, because uh, honestly, I was, I zoned off when you started listing. Like, I don't understand the packages or I just. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's not that complicated. And they don't want to. Sure. Yeah. yeah no, I just, get it. Yeah. Uh, well, Big Little Eyes is camp. Um, nature shows camp. I watched The Last Black Man in San Francisco. I think it's a masterpiece. Yeah. It's not camp, but there's some homoeroticism to it. So, uh. Listeners to this podcast might find something fun in it. I think it's great. Okay. Um, uh, what was, I'm not good with titles, the Boots Riley movie that came out this year? Oh, sorry to bother you. That was camp, right? Ooh, interesting. I don't know. That that was like um, political, like, I don't know, so, social, not social, like, Magical realism, socialist magical realism, socialist magical, re yeah, or yeah, um, I don't know what like finance, yeah. Well, okay, here's a question about camp is, is you know, I'm not saying that this was at least the movie that we watched, I felt like I couldn't tell, and we can talk about this, yeah, if uh, we can talk about it later too, if the actors were trying to act like the way people act, or if they're like. Play it up, have fun. That is a really good question, and let's yeah, let's just okay. get into it. So we watched Andy Warhol's Heat, which 1972. was 1972, not directed by Andy Warhol, no, produced, uh, produced by him, written and directed by Paul Morrissey, mm -hmm. as a lot of uh, the Andy Warhol imprintor was. Mm -hmm. Um, they did a trilogy, right? This is part of it? Yeah, like a, I guess it's sort of a trilogy. So there are three movies with 
Joe D'Alessandro playing like a hustler. I don't think he's the same character in each movie. Mm. But um, there was flesh, there was trash, and then heat was the third one. Mm -hmm. So we're working backwards. You'll have to come back and we'll watch the other two at some point. Yeah, I need to take a beat. Yeah, no. So let's open with your question. Do the actors know what they're doing? (laughs) Like, is... Is the joke on them? Is uh-huh, uh, uh-huh. I think this is an interesting case of not everyone being on the same page and yeah. it working. Uh-huh. So this stars, um, as we said, Joe D'Alessandro, who actually, if you listen to the previous episode of Hike Camp, we talked about because he was in Killer Nun. Uh, this comes, I think, seven or eight years before Killer Nun. Mm-hmm. Um, he's this, I don't know how you describe him, this really tiny sexy elf good looking with just no affect yes yes uh his body i mean i was also like just kind of confounded by the lack of hair or like the hair perfectly placed the tan lines of the bathing suit when he's naked it was just very um like a man that's used to having not even the female gaze because like that doesn't exist but like the a gaze of sexuality on him at all times. Yeah, and yeah, he is he's a sexual object in all of these movies, his whole career. And it is interesting because he worked even not just with Andy Warhol and Paul Morrissey, but I think for the majority of his career he worked with gay uh filmmakers mm-hmm. as sort of this lust object. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's bi. He is bi, yeah. He's he, bi. He's he's very much in the tradition of like rough trade, straight acting men who uh, I think have a certain place in a lot of gay men's hearts or mm. like. Um, My heart. I mean, he's beautiful uh, and he's, he's scary in this movie. He's very scary in this movie. And also I just want to say there is a female gaze just not in this movie. No, not okay. in this movie. Okay, okay. Absolutely <laughs> not. Uh, no, this is definitely gay male gaze. He, he was scaring me. Um, he was scaring me. Like, he was like f- a familiar scare. Yeah. And he has, he doesn't have a wide range as an actor at all, but he has mm-hmm. like um, an ease to him. And mm-hmm. I think he, he, he knows what he's doing in the sense that he knows his, his place is just basically to, to look pretty and not emote. Mm-hmm. And I think he, he mm-hmm. knows what he's doing. Mm-hmm. And then the other main character in this movie, um, Sally is played by Sylvia Miles, yeah. who's a two time Oscar nominee. She is. Yeah. She's a, an amazing actor. Amazing. She tears it up in that opening scene. Yeah. Uh, explain to people the, the opening scene. The opening scene is just her, like, I believe, uh, marching into a pool yes. and, like, demanding order in a la Florida Project, like a sort of beat up L.A., like, junkie town. Y- yeah. So she she play And this movie, I when I was reading a description, let's go to the, I guess, the IMDb or, or just... Um, the description of this movie, yeah. apparently it's supposedly a take on Sunset Boulevard, yes, a parody, which, right. well, I don't find it to be at all. Well, maybe the part, yes, the part where she's at, he's at that like echoey mansion. Yeah. And a producer's promise, but it's like, it's I think, n- but isn't Sunset Boulevard kind of like a waiting for Guffman where no one ever shows up? Uh, yeah, that's true. I never <laughs> thought of it like waiting for Guffman, but you're right, yeah. And well, in Sunset Boulevard, Norma Desmond, her whole thing is she like wants to be a star again and yeah. be like have a comeback. Yeah. Be- Whereas in this movie, Sylvia Miles' character, her whole she's just fixated on this guy. She is also an over the hill actress, even though I, she's probably like forty or even not not even forty. Like she's not that old. I was really into the way they were giving women. I, I, I take issue with the word over the hill. Well, I'm just saying and, like the, the, the way that sh- that, that is presented, like the, she's past her prime as an actress well, in the context of the movie. Yeah. That's like the sexual dynamic, but I was, I, I mean, I thought she was super hot. Yeah. Uh, and, and I, I just, I don't know. Uh, I kind of lost my train of thought, but we're, remind me. Uh, it was just saying that the difference between Sunset Boulevard her, she's fixated mm-hmm. on regaining um, status in her career, mm-hmm. where, whereas in Heat, she's totally fixated on this man, and nothing else matters than the affection that he gives her. Oh, well, I felt like she was just she had like a weird obsession with abandonment, right? It was mm-hmm. like 
you can you can do this to me, but just tell me you're going to abandon me, right? It's like oh yeah, when when he doesn't like sleep in with her enough and she freaks out, she's just I, I don't know I I yeah. So I guess in that sense, it is um, a sort of similar dynamic, like entrapped to Sunset Boulevard. Man. But I guess I I felt like uh, Joe D'Alessandro's character has so much power in this movie, yes. power over yes. her, power over all the characters all in the, the characters. movie, yeah. whereas in um, uh, William Holden in Sunset Boulevard, he is to, I mean, I haven't seen it in a little while, but like mm-hmm. he's sort of just stumbling around and he seems less powerful than Norma Desmond. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it's an interesting riff that, that older woman, younger man dynamic. Right. Um, and so going back to mm-hmm. originally what we were saying, okay. so she is this like trained actress who knows exactly what she's doing. She's, I don't know if it's like she's slumming it, but she, this is, this movie came out literally between her two Oscar nominations. Mm-hmm. So she's in some sense at the height of her career, choosing to do these, these low budget Paul Morrissey, Andy Warhol movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joe D'Alessandro is working like in this low budget, I don't think he ever got the opportunity or I don't know if he had the desire to work with in more like mainstream cinema. Um, and then we have he clearly could have. Yeah. I, yeah. Well, and we were talking about this last week too. Like, do you think because he chose to work with these um, gay directors in mm. this, this sort of style, he, his career was sort of limited. Like he wouldn't be cast in, like a movie that Robert Redford would be cast in. Did that ever happen for men? Yeah, I think all the time. I think you were you were sort of box office poison if you were if you were working with um, with openly gay right, directors. Right. Okay, right. Uh, like like all all the actors in the boys in the band, right. like they never really made it in other. I guess what I'm saying is like he was well okay was he out as, was he bi at the time is what I'm saying yeah. I don't know I don't know like if he ever really defined his sexuality until right. later I think he was. Uh, he always played, yeah, like the straight acting dude who, mm-hmm. you know, maybe would let someone suck his dick. But mm-hmm. like, there was never... But it was for the art. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, uh, like, yeah, I don't know. This movie was so, so sexual. In a, I mean, I, I, I knew it, but it's always like, it's like, I kind of wish these were the ways that... It felt like it, it felt like it naturalized sex in a way. Like, I'm not saying you should show these movies to children to teach them about <laughs> sex. No. But uh, in a way, it was like um, it was cool that it demystified. Well, yeah. In all of the in this movie specifically, there there's never um, a mutual like give and take in sex. Yeah. You, there's always one person who's enjoying it a lot more than the other person, and one yeah. person who's uh, using it as just a purely transactional experience, and is that that's like such a Warhol thing, right? That's like every movie. Yes, that's I, yeah, the absolutely. only transaction. Because he he was such a voyeur in his yeah, real life, right. uh, and I don't know that he ever really had like a deep um, mutual sexual connection to anyone. Mm-hmm. Maybe he had like long term boyfriends mom, and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, who knows? Uh, so yeah, before we get into the plot of this movie, mm-hmm. that there really even is a plot. There's a huge. There's, I mean, yeah, there's a plot. Pretty linear. Uh, we have to talk about Andrea, Andrea Feldman. Feldman. Okay, trigger trigger warning. We're going to talk about death by suicide. Uh, we're going to laugh about it because it's uh, not funny, but it's it's so sad. So this one, this young woman, um, and I think this she was maybe appeared in other Warhol movies, but this is her sort of big yeah, th- yeah, like two or three. This and she did yeah, and so she plays. Uh, Jessica, who's yeah. who's Sylvia Miles's young daughter, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, let's just say so. Three weeks after this movie completed filming, she mm-hmm. threw herself out a window and and killed herself. Mm-hmm. And she like obviously is a very troubled woman. Um, yes, and and you know I think there's rumors that that she wrote notes to Andy saying or like to. Andy saying like come over at this time so he would like see her. Oh wow! And there was like a Bible and a crucifix. I mean, I also saw one quote of, that's like everyone pretended to be crazy around Andy. She, Andrea Feldman, was. Well, I read that too. Yeah. Uh, and she gives, and that that's I think where your original question about intent mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. if 
Warhol and Morrissey were maybe taking advantage of someone because her performance comes across as um, completely untrained mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. uh, like some people would say, oh, this is bad. She's a bad actor mm -hmm. because her affect is very flat, but it also is, I think, the most interesting and the rawest performance yeah. in the movie. And I, I, I think she's brilliant. And it, I'm, I'm thankful. I mean, it's she had a very sad life, but at yeah. least something of her was was captured on film mm -hmm. um, because she, yeah, she was not Meryl Streep, but she was a very special and interesting performer. I thought. Yeah, and I thought, you know, she was playing a lesbian and like. Yeah, well, that's a question in the movie. Right. She seems, she she calls herself a lesbian at the beginning of the movie, um, mm -hmm. and her mother doesn't believe her. Well, her mother, like, by, yeah, her mother just, yeah. She, she can't comprehend, because the... Um, uh, can we, I wish we could play that clip. The, the... I can try to, to, to maybe find it and, and put it in. I mean, everybody has girlfriends. Men have friends. Women have friends. Doesn't make you a lesbian. Do you sleep in the same room with her? Sure. How else can I be a lesbian? Where does Mark sleep? With us. In the same bed? In the same bed. Is that a way to bring up a boy? Is He'll be a lesbian. How can a son be a lesbian? Look, you are not a lesbian. He is not a lesbian. You went and called up my friend Peggy and you told her I was a lesbian. Well, I got news for you. I wish I was a lesbian. There's like a whole argument conversation. So uh, Jesse is living with a woman who I think is unseen through the whole movie you might see her for yeah a little bit. maybe she grabs she there's one handoff of the baby in the beginning yeah. and then banished yeah she has a baby and she's living with she a carries woman. it around in a bag oh i know and she has the her girlfriend gives her cigarette burns on her skin that um, part how did they because those were real i those think were, they're they real, were real and they yeah. worked it into the movie i think yeah. But, and then otherwise she was just covered up. I, I was just... Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Ooh, um, okay. But the the way... The funny part of it is the conversation. So Sylvia Miles is like, oh, you know, you've been with men. You have a baby. You can't be a lesbian. And so she repeats it, um, that she is a lesbian, but she keeps saying, lesbian. Yeah. Like, she's, she pronounces it funny in I, a funny way. And I, it becomes... I, yes. And throughout sort of the yeah. whole movie, she's kind of like growing into saying it. Yeah. I, right? Like, I feel like... That's part of, she doesn't, uh, I don't uh, know. She's a very trying it on word. as an actor, it felt like. Oh, you think the actress, yeah. Yeah, I don't know, like, what is, it, yeah. what is the way that she really spoke in life? Because uh -huh. um, I think Warhol did this with a lot of, I mean, he obviously attracted a lot of very troubled people. Yeah. So everyone from Edie Sedgwick to Valerie Solanas, uh, yeah. especially, yeah, tr these troubled women that um, thought that they would get something out of their connection to him yeah. and, and well, they he, did and then he takes it away yeah the taking yeah, it yeah. Away is, yeah and that yeah that happened over and over again with him um would have i would have tried so hard <laughs> i know well, right? yeah, that, yeah so uh let me before we go any further let me just read a little bit because if you don't know well you know and i guess everyone who, who's listening to this knows the whole reason i'm doing this podcast is there are these books called High Camp by this librarian named Paul Rowan and he wrote reviews of you know 400 uh camp and cult gay classics um and everywhere or from every era like from the 1910s through when the books were published like the 90s so he wrote reviews of all these movies so I want to read just a little bit of his review of Heat. Heat is doubly qualified for inclusion in this book. It's a camp reworking of Sunset Boulevard, which is itself a recognized camp masterpiece. Joe D'Alessandro gets top billing in his customary role of, as a dumb stud. We're given plenty of chances to ogle his beautiful, unclad body. D'Alessandro got his start posing for beefcake photos at the studios of the Athletic Model Guild. I feel obliged to mention, however, that in this, his ponytail hippie phase, he looks distinctly unsavory and more than a little bit unhealthy. Furthermore, as heroes go, he's hopelessly inarticulate. His most frequent comment is, oh yeah? And then he goes on to say, the film is a product of the Andy Warhol factory, which means that there's plenty of ad-libbed dialogue, ludicrous non-acting, inept camera work, and obfuscating artistic pretentiousness. 
In Sunset Boulevard, Gloria Swanson laments that the era of great screen faces like hers is past. Heat, however, is a film more concerned with crotches than with faces. And Gloria's right, at least at the movies, faces are more interesting. So I guess he didn't really love this movie that much. He looks really healthy. Yeah, the, right? I, yeah I don't really get, I mean, I think, I, I again, I don't know, but I think he probably had some drug issues in his mm-hmm. life. But yeah, he seems like, you know, I watched Killer Nun last week, and that he was a, seemed a lot less healthy in that than in yeah. this. And, and that, he was that only was before. No, that was 79 and this was 72. Oh, oh yeah, you So he was only like 24 when this came out. Well, you I mean also I'm so this person reviewing it, I mean, there's also So wait, so this person reviewing it is what when did they write that review? So I so these books were published in the 90s. I don't know like how long, like if this was sort of his life, mm-hmm. his life's work of me of reviewing this, or he sort of wrote these all right before the book was published. Mm-hmm. He does. He um, was already sort of a middle aged to older man when this came out, so I think his frame of reference, like he loved sort of the old Hollywood classics, mm-hmm. uh, and so I think he would find. The, the Warhol movies may be fun and interesting, but I don't think he would take them seriously as movies like he would, you know, an MGM yeah. uh, spectacle or something like that. Okay. So I think he comes from, like, a very older baby boomer perspective. Yeah, okay. I have, I but he would have been about the same age as these Warhol superstars, I think. Okay. But he, he would he wouldn't have been present for the premiere of it. No, no, no. He, um, I believe he lived in Duluth, Minnesota his entire life. Uh, he worked as a librarian. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know. Cool. I think he was sort of um, like an amateur film scholar, but I don't mm-hmm. think he ever would have like mingled with any of these people. Got it. Okay. Because I, you know, I was reading about the premiere and it's like, because uh, she died by suicide, you oh, know, yeah. it was somber. I bet. Oh my God. But, but, but also I'm like, I could see Andy Warhol just being completely unaffected. I'm sure he was unaffected, yeah. but the other people in his orbit that weren't sociopaths, I'm sure were affected. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause he, this is not, you know, the first woman on his watch to die by suicide. <laughs> right. Uh, right. I mean, yeah, you had, I think Edie Sedgwick was dead or dying by yeah, now. She, she and uh, Candy yeah. Darling, I think, was was dead. And, yeah. and now Andrea Feldman. Uh, 24. Yeah, she, she, yeah, she was only 20. Yeah. So she and Joe Dawsonner would have been about the same age. And in this movie, she plays like a teenager. I think she's supposed to even be younger oh than God, 24. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Um, wow. And she seems very, very young. She seems very young, but yes, I... Okay, wow. She has the physicality to me of someone, like... I guess that's just living hard. Yeah, yeah. They all sort of were probably living like hard. A Lowen quality. Oh, my God. Well, I... She goes to Greece. She wears... <laughs> she does go to... Mykonos. Mykonos! She does! She wears that black thing, yes. and then she says, this is how people dress in Greece. I literally, like, every time, like, the uh, Killer Nun that I watched last week and now this one, I just want to recast all these movies with Lindsay Lohan uh, in the roles. Oh, my God. Like, I mean, it would be, it would be a rough Sunset set to Boulevard be on. Boulevard on NBC Live. <laughs> NBC oh Live, God. Sunset Boulevard, starring Lindsay Lohan. Get The this numbers made. would be... Well, she can't legally live in Greece. Her Mykonos show got canceled. She can't even do that. And the club is abandoned. I'm very sad. You know, maybe Cody. (laughs) Cody and Aliana. Cody will start walking or like, yeah. Aliana. I mean, it is truly amazing that Lindsay Lohan has survived so long. (laughs) It really is. Yeah, good for her. She's a survivor. Yeah, yeah. She, you know, she loves being a boss. She does love being a boss. Her and Panos. Oh my god! But the film, the I thought it. Uh, you know, speaking of Lohan and like, st- a lot of this movie was about stars falling. Yeah. Or your one one's star falling. Yeah. So, um, so Sylvia Miles's character Sally, she, I guess, had been on television, uh, guest starring on stuff, and now has sort of transitioned into appearing on game shows, which I guess was a viable career path in the 70s. There were so many of those game shows. Okay. And um, and then Joe D'Alessandro's character, 
they mentioned two different he was on some it wasn't called the mickey mouse club but it was sort of inferred that it was somewhat like the, the mickey river mouse. like river well that that was the other one that was the western that he was on but there was like a oh. mouse world spectacular or something that they like, mentioned <laughs> and then as a teenager he was on some western and that's okay. where sally's sally had guest starred and they had met previously when he was 15 right and so so his daughter so her sally's daughter approaches uh Joe. Joe, who's named Joey. I think he's always named Joe in like literally every movie that he's in. Smart move. Yeah, you don't have to remember anything <laughs> yeah, else. Yeah, yeah. You know he'll turn around when you call him. <laughs> but she comes up and is like, do you remember my mother? Yeah, because she wants to fuck him. Yeah. Like everyone obviously wants to fuck him. Like yeah. that, there's, that's what is sort of great about these movies is because there's no question. Like literally every character in this movie wants to have sex with Joe, uh-huh. as you should. And yeah, there it's yeah, it's like the the up the inverse Bechdel test. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, because you see this. I mean, he is like a god, uh, but yeah. it's fun. he's like five six, which looks like him. Listen, the tall thing. I mean, uh, yeah, I don't need it. Yeah, it's I fine. don't need someone no, tall. No, no. I can deal with someone short. I, not even deal with. I like short people. They're less threatening. <laughs> but also, like, he just had, he had, you know, like, magic, uh, his, like, his crotch was used in a bunch of... Sticky Fingers, the Sticky Rolling Fingers. Stones yeah. album, yeah. is his crotch. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it's a great, it's a great crotch. See, no, you never see his... I don't, I don't know if there's any movie where you see his dick Hard completely. dick. I, yeah. But you see Let's three? Research. How many? <laughs> Let's research. Oh, how many dicks in this movie? Yes. I don't. So many. So many. There was so there was two jerk off scenes. Oh, yeah. Oh, you, you threw s- the pants. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah. 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 Was, not like. Not, for oh, me. yeah. Not full like dick dicks. But you never. I mean, you just never see that um, anymore. No. Well, yeah. Not in American movies. Oh, okay. Uh, it's like you do on HBO's Euphoria, <laughs> which, <laughs> oh boy, I made it through one episode and I don't know that I'm going to watch anymore. Um, My budget is But there's erect penises on that, which I thought was interesting for... These were erect. You mean un- oh, unclothed? unclothed erect okay. penises. Full <laughs> dick. Which even Warhol... Well, I guess he did sometimes, but not in this movie. Uh, but yeah, so we have... So we have also at this apartment... So it's like... um, This is also a very L.A. Yes. apartment complex movie. I, sh- I tried to look up where it was. Like the Melrose Place genre uh-huh. of... Uh, I, I always think of uh, Robert Altman's The Long Goodbye... And um, obviously, like the new uh, Under the Silver Lake, um, and even like Rear Windows, New York. But it's that, it's Uh that like apartment complex, um, closed Mm -hmm. in feeling Mm -hmm. where everyone is sort of on top of each other. Is it three women? Three women. That's it. Yeah. Yes, it's so three women. Three women, which I think technically is in the desert, but it's definitely that. But yes, but there's a pool. Yes, there's (laughs) a pool, and and yes, uh, Shelley Duvall and Sissy Spacek are. On top of each other in that movie. Yeah. yeah this is very three women. Yeah. Which I uh, loved. I, I was, I God, was I so movie. in, like, I watched this, to be honest, down to the wire last night at like, I think I started it at like 10. Oh, yeah. I watched it late. I had, I had had a couple of cocktails during the debate too. So I was, <sighs> I was drifting in and out a little bit, but that's fine for the Yeah. Movie. I never did hear more about your physicality. You were like gone. Oh, from just your like body. hunched over my phone. I, it was, yeah, a mess. Ugh. There was Domino's pizza involved. I ate yeah. Domino's for breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> I was babysitting and they had oh, it and I was yeah, like, I yeah. am eating this. Um, so yeah, we see he like moves into this apartment complex and she, the daughter, approaches him. Also, there's these two brothers that like fuck each other on stage. Okay, yeah. That was interesting. That was cool. And she's curious. Like she draws the line there. Yeah. She's and like, they just talk about it. They don't you don't actually see them, but Right, fuck right, each right. Other. But but okay, wait, and that brother is there one is the brother neuroatypical, the one brother? You can never tell with these movies. They right, all seem neuroatypical right, to me. Right, I mean right. Andrea Feldman, she judging, she has to have been. She has facial spasms yeah. during one scene where it looks like she's like full on. Yeah. When she was also on apparently a lot of amphetamines, ton, as yes. they all were. But she, her performance reminded me um, of Edith Massey in John Waters movies. Okay. Like, um, do you know, uh, mm-hmm. she's like the older woman. She plays um, Divine's mother in Pink Flamingos, who's obsessed with eggs. And yeah. she's female trouble. She's in the, the leather getup, who's... Uh, who hates that her nephew is straight mm-hmm. and um, that woman mm-hmm. with sort of snaggle teeth, but she's who knows what her deal is, but yeah, yeah. not um, someone who is neurotypical, yeah. but yeah, she reminded me of her in her performance. 
So, okay, yeah, the two brothers, they have a... So everyone's a performer, right? A performer or a child of a performer, like, coasting off of their money. Yeah, it's like a very, yeah, just L.A. scene where everyone, no one has a real job. Everyone is trying to make it mm-hmm. or has made it and fallen off and is trying to remake it, basically. Mm-hmm. It was kind of triggering in that way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, it's very, that's very true to life. Like, I was very much like, are these union projects? Oh, my God, no. The answer <laughs> is, is the... no <laughs> to any of it. So, really? Yeah, I guess oh, the they Warhol Morrissey well. stuff? No, I mean, no. I know, not, no, they were like, no, they were like, we have you in perpetuity, we steal your soul. I mean, they got, these actors got paid for, you know, a, like a bag of crank and <laughs> and a free burger. <laughs> right, and a, and a roller of <laughs> oil. <laughs> oh, God, which, you know what, at this point, I wouldn't turn it down. <laughs> Get paid an exposure. <laughs> you do. I mean, this is the ultimate. <laughs> the ultimate get paid an exposure. <laughs> Andy Warhol was the one. World that, superstar. That was the first time that appeared in Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. And they're still using it to this day. <laughs> so, yeah. So, basically, <laughs> he meets the mother. They fuck. She lives in this, and she keeps saying, a 36-room mansion, which is insane because she was just, like, a guest star on TV shows. But I guess she had married a series of rich men. Yes, she kept marrying men who kept dying. Or, yeah. I don't, they don't, they, they just don't divorced. Explain, yeah. I think she gets all the stuff in the divorce. Yeah. California, no, no fault. Um, and she... Yeah, the house is so echoey. It was like hurting my... Yeah, like you could tell that they didn't like rent out the whole house to shoot in and it was like some hallway of something. Yeah, there wasn't much sound design. No, yeah, much like uh, this podcast perhaps. Um, Uh, But yeah, so you don't, there's not too many scenes in this house, thank God. Um, And she keeps keeps saying, oh, you know, I'm going to introduce you to everyone. Like you can can use my connections. Uh, And he doesn't seem to really... Care. care but he does because he he also sleeps with the landlady in order to get um a discount on his rent so right. he throughout the movie he uses sex um as a transactional as his tool his yeah, he's a sex worker yeah, he's a sex worker <laughs> he's yeah, a sex that's worker. the definition yeah well and he's the original his journey right like that gets stopped is going down to a record recording studio in a suit yeah because he so he was a child actor but now he wants to be a musician yes right um, yes but you never you, yeah you never see him yeah i bet he was yeah, <laughs> Uh, so, so yeah, they, they have this sort of abbreviated affair. You, there's mm-hmm. a couple of, of interesting, weird sex scenes. You see his butt. Um, yeah. he, he never seems to be enjoying anything and you see her get m- more and more obsessed with him. Mm-hmm. He, he seems a little, the most into her, right? Or not Out like, of, oh eh. uh, yeah. I mean, comparatively, no, but yeah, I, it's I all feel projection like. on my part. I was like, she's hot. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, yeah, he seems to me, he seems totally cold and, um, I mean, it's, probably a victim of abuse at some point yeah, they don't go into that. yeah. Uh, but so then he sort of keeps threatening to leave her and then finally yes yeah, well partially because he doesn't want to hurt her daughter's feelings right is I, he taking i guess i think feelings? he just realizes that like she can't she she's not that big of a star so yeah. she has introduced him to a couple of people but mm-hmm. it's not like um like he's his career's not really going anywhere mm-hmm. through her connections moves, yeah, yeah. And and is it on purpose that all like the lawyers are like talking like this and like the least interesting? I mean, I th- yeah, I think uh, Warhol and Morrissey use like non professional actors and and probably there's a like they direct them to speak in mm-hmm. um, in like a flat affect. I would think. Yeah. I don't know, but yeah, that uh, but that that's also what makes Sylvia Miles' performance so special because she is giving. I mean, it reminded me of. Jenna Rollins in John Cassavetes movies like mm-hmm. this really um, just beautiful three-dimensional uh, sad performance it, yeah it was when they're yeah when they're out on the roof also all of her her lingerie is so like agent provocateur hmm. 2020 I love it it's really they did a good job on that she, yeah. I bet she had to bring her own stuff I'm sure <laughs> there was no cute. I mean it was probably like Bridge of Berlin in the back, like doing wardrobe. I mean, who knows? You no, know, uh, yeah. Uh, who's the, who's the actor? Who's the actor that I thought originally when we were talking earlier was named Sim- Sylvia Miles, but the landlady. What's, what's oh, um, her. She reminds me of Bridget. Yeah, Berlin. I actually thought it was Bridget Berlin. Me too. It's uh, so at the beginning because she's sort of this New York, 
um, bigger Take it or leave woman. It. She's yeah. great. Her name is Pat Ast. Yes. Uh, and she was great. Lydia. Yeah. Okay. And then, so at the end, he leaves her, but then there's this weird scene where... Then daddy comes. Daddy comes, Daddy yeah. comes, yeah. I was like, so her ex, twist. who's uh, Jessica's father, is now living with this man, um, and he's like in a gay relationship, but he doesn't admit it, but yeah. they keep calling him his roommate, okay. but like, oh, I've lived with him for 10 years, and the guy that he lives with is a very sort of... I don't know, Siegfried and Roy, Liberace type gay, okay. like that that sort of style. And then they like leave the room for one minute and yeah. immediately he just starts sucking Joe's dick. I think I missed this part. Oh, you might have been nodding. That was like towards the end. Yeah, I was like, I was really, it was really hard to tell the men apart. Like, oh yeah. They were just, I felt like there was three white men with bald heads. Yeah, there was like a lawyer, like an agent, agent I guess. Yeah. And then the and then the ex. And so, and then the boy, the ex's boyfriend. So yeah. They all leave the room and then it comes back and you just see him like kneeling in front of Joe and no one mm. seems, everyone's just like, oh yeah, he's sucking his dick. Like that's what happens when right. Joe comes around. You just suck his dick. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. Why not? That was, yeah, that was, the, that was the movie. The, all, uh, did you clock that like anytime the baby was on camera, it was just staring straight down the barrel? Oh, I didn't notice that. <laughs> The baby was just like looking at camera. Obviously, I yeah, mean, yeah, obviously, yeah. you can't direct a baby. No. And I was just loving like that is the only person in the room just staring at Andy Warhol. <laughs> well, well I don't like, even know if he was on set. Like he, I don't, I don't know that he had anything artistically really to do with these movies. He probably didn't because it was. I liked it. Yeah, I mean, well, because his early movies that he directed are like completely nonlinear, mm -hmm. and then pa when Paul Morrissey comes in and he makes them, you know, a little more sort of. It's not like save the cat, but it's it's like you're a not more... like sitting through like watching a clock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like a real movie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Do you remember that exhibit that was a clock when we lived in New York? That everyone was like going to to like watch a clock. Yes. Oh, God. God, my whole time in New York is just a blur. <laughs> so much art. Uh, so much art. So many drugs. Who knows? But um. So yeah, they he le he finally leaves. She is like sad and then the last scene is so sad and funny at the same time oh, yeah. so we're back at the pool God. um and she storms in she's heartbroken she has a gun mm -hmm. she tries to shoot joe the gun doesn't go off i don't know if there were just no bullets in the gun or she doesn't know how to fire it well that but, happened on set and they're like let's go with <laughs> yeah, it <laughs> but she gets so frustrated she just throws the gun in the pool and then leaves. Yeah. And that's the end of the movie. And it was a, a great ending. A great ending. And his take at the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, it, was, it was like the end of uh, that Dustin Hoffman movie that everyone loves. The President's Daughter. Oh, The President's Man? No, The, the President's Daughter. Oh, The, the Graduate. graduate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, the sort President's of. Son. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, right? Like, just sort of, you, you. the camera lingers on him. And I was just sort of, again, like... Does does this actor know what's happening? Is, is he this good that I'm able to not know what he's thinking? Yeah, I think he's just able to look totally blank. <laughs> Wait, I'm like, that's not good acting. Is this, no, I don't know. I can't know what you're thinking. It's called being real. <laughs> it's I, called not indicating. <laughs> right, right. Uh, no, I don't know. Like, yeah, what? I mean, that's the big question. Is like, what is good acting? Like, he his his performances are effective for like what they're asked to do. Mm -hmm. Um, if he was asked to emote or like do, you know, Shakespeare soliloquy, I don't think he would be able to handle that. But like for what he's asked to do in this, and I think that's probably why his career, you know, as he gets older and loses his like youthful looks, I don't know that he has much to offer. He's still, I looked him up. He he's still, still looks cute. Yeah. really good. I mean, he's, he's like pushing 80 now, but he's still, oh, yeah. um, I guess maybe the picture, oh, the they picture chose for been Wikipedia old. was. Well, oh, and we should say Sylvia Miles just passed away two weeks ago. Oh. She was like 95. Oh, wow. Um, and she was this New York character. Uh, she, you know, um, she got nominated. Her first Oscar nomination was for Midnight Cowboy, mm. where she plays sort of a similar character, mm -hmm. an older woman who uh, pays John Voight's sex worker character. And then she um, gets a second Oscar nomination for uh, a Philip Marlowe adaptation um, called uh, Farewell, My Lovely, which was a, like a Robert Mitchum noir in the 70s. So it was like a sort of a neo-noir. And, um, and then she, yeah, she just sort of was a like New York character. She guested on Sex and the City. She, oh, um, do you know was, as who? I don't know. I'm not oh, really okay. that familiar with that show, but... Yeah. 
uh, but yeah, she was just around and like a, a cool, a cool, a cool lady. Mm-hmm. And yeah, she just passed away a couple weeks ago. Okay, this is like totally back to the beginning. But if if people are like talking about Sex in the City in a conversation, <laughs> like remember when we were saying like you want to be up on pop culture, uh, does it annoy? Like if you haven't watched a show, how do you participate in that conversation? Or do oh you yeah, I do and I don't. No, oh, I don't like say. Oh, how dare you talk about something that I'm not familiar with? And I, I have watched a fair amount of Sex and the City. Okay. I just don't. Like, some people are very encyclopedic in their mm-hmm. knowledge of that show. And I... Shout out Michelle Markowitz? Oh, yeah. Our friend <laughs> Michelle Markowitz. I mean, a lot of a lot of people are. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, so, the last scene is... Yeah. Oh, yeah. That last scene. The, yeah. The last scene is... It's perfect. It's perfect. I really... Yeah. I loved it. And, and honestly, the only music, right? There's not even, like, a radio's worth of music throughout. But then the beginning and the end, there's, like, this sort of, like score yeah it's um the scores by john kale okay. who did a bunch of all of those um those andy warhol paul morrissey uh movies and he is in oh god people are gonna he he was velvet in the velvet underground, underground? he yeah. was a okay. yeah he was a band member in the velvet underground right. so right. that is like his milieu and i think after they broke up lou reed obviously went on to a big solo career and i think he was doing a lot of um john kale was doing a lot of movie scores mm-hmm. so okay. yeah i loved it it's great yeah um, and then, I mean, you're just like a big, you're like a big Warhol scholar. I think I've, yeah, like I, I am fascinated by it. Yeah. So like what, what do you think? Cause so Warhol is, you know, doing experimental movies sort mm-hmm. of, you know, in like this New York indie scene, mm-hmm. um, in direct sort of opposition to like the dying studio system in the sixties and seventies and people's idea of camp, I think is a lot of those big Hollywood studio movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't really know what my question is, but yeah. like what, yeah. What is Warhol's sort of relationship to, uh, to camp? Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking like maybe part of like, a seed of it is his reproductions, right? Mm. Like endless reproductions of things, Xeroxes of Xeroxes of, you know, like yeah. advertisements. Like he's very like arch. Yeah, yeah, taking um like mass produced things and and yeah, reproducing them or or twisting them up a little bit. Yeah, and I guess that's sort of what what uh, that original definition of of camp aesthetics is 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 f- finding something off in what a person who's not in on it would think is a, you know, perfectly normal, uh, sunny American art object. Mm -hmm. And he's doing that knowingly. He's doing that knowingly. Like the soapbox thing was, was not, it was like that made papers, right? Didn't that make like news headlines? Yeah. I think that those soapboxes, even before this, the Campbell soup cans was like his first, uh, because he he was doing, uh, uh, shoe illustrations before that as a commercial mm-hmm. artist, but mm-hmm. when I think he came to LA and he did that gallery show of of the the soapboxes and yeah that was it was a huge deal I yeah I don't know that we could really understand like how big of a thing that was to to reproduce mass objects mm-hmm. and call it art put it in a gallery mm-hmm. space and yep people just thought it was revolutionary. Well, and it's like appropriating from white culture and bringing it back into white subculture. Yeah, well, I think that's so interesting because I don't think criticism at the time brought into the fact that it was very much white culture. Yeah, Uh, He comes from Pittsburgh, Catholic, because, you you know, people just for all of America thought white culture is American culture. White culture is culture. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, looking at it through that, yeah, he's taking these objects from, yeah, from basically one white culture mm-hmm. and, and putting it into, uh, yeah, white alternative culture. I mean, yeah, I guess for we don't, we don't have to say, yeah. yeah, for, well, yeah, cause like he comes from, I guess the stereotypical sort of don't, working class don't even background well that like he comes from yeah, you know just... coal country right 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 uh but he doesn't seem to have any affection for uh for either white working class people or mm-hmm. any people of color like there were no were there any warhol superstars of color um 
I can't I, think no, of he, no, he seems pretty racist. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, he is racist. Yes. <laughs> he is racist. Um, and yeah, the fact that also the museum is in Pittsburgh. Why? Well, he's they're, they're, he's their favorite son. Like he's this world class artist yeah. that came from this you know, mid-sized industrial town. So, of course, they're going to... I mean, it's a big tourist destination. I went Uh, there when I was in Pittsburgh. It's a great museum. I really want to go. I've never been, despite being from Pennsylvania. True. You're from from the other side. I'm from seven hours away. And Philadelphia. Well, who's the... I mean, is it M. Night Shyamalan is the biggest (laughs) Philadelphia? Yeah, that's (laughs) who we have. Uh, That's who we have, right? Mm. There must be other... Oh, Rocky. Oh, oh, Bradley Cooper. Oh, Bradley Cooper. (laughs) But he kind of is like not... Wait, Will Smith? Sure. Yeah. West Philadelphia, yeah. born and yeah. raised. Correct. Right. Okay. Uh, so you have a lot of a lot of people, um, but yeah, I guess like Warhol is that pre baby boomer generation that, I guess they they were the ones that like defined what the modern definition of camp is like the that those people and they were sort of reflecting back on it, and now, yeah, I don't know. Um, like, is anyone? Yeah, who's doing what they were doing? I don't know. Uh, right. Like, Is it possible? Who, who's doing what they were doing? And I think I always try to, like, I mean, not try. I, as I was saying before, like, imagine myself in there and or, like, try to imagine who, who's doing something similar to what Andy's doing now in, like, the art culture in maybe Los Angeles or New York. Yeah, because that, the superstars, it is so, like, romanticized that it was all these, I mean, looking back on it, people, you know, it's a scene and there was all, mm-hmm. you know, there was... There was Viva and there was Nico and mm-hmm. uh, there were all these people and like who would who would you have been in the scene? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I wonder how much of that is just sort of like rewriting history after the fact. Like I'm sure they were all uh, miserable people too. <laughs> just like well, like I don't know, I don't know. Right, right. They were doing really. I mean, aside from everything else, they were like doing really cool stuff. Yeah. Right. Well, I, guess. I mean, they were doing cool stuff, but it was like on the largesse of like white wealth like Bridget you know yeah Bridget Berlin, Bridget Berlin. Berlin. they all yeah. came from very oh. uh, upper class families yeah. except for Andy and right. he used mm-hmm. yes. people with money mm-hmm. which I guess is what artists always do yeah um, well because pe- we don't value art so you have to redistribute it in different ways interesting yeah uh, yeah but I don't know if anyone knows any Andy Warhol's out there that Oh my God! Nominate yourself now, now to today's just, Andy mean, what, Warhol. Who's like the modern? It's just Patreon. That's the modern day Andy Warhol. Wait, how so? I don't know. Just like getting money for your art. <laughs> um, there is no person. Oh God! But that's still like my uncle. Really? I don't know my, my Patreon. Yeah, it's like, yeah, it's all people in Philadelphia though. There you go. Mm-hmm. Uh, before we go, is there a movie? If we were to create. Or write a third volume of High Camp, um, continuing the work of Paul Rowan. Mm-hmm. Is there a movie that you would nominate to be in it that you love? Okay, so yes, I was. Um, so I was gonna say a movie, and then I mean, like I'll say this, I'll say this movie, but I truly believe that it like contributed to uh, my eating disorder at the time that I watched it, sure. and that it is like not safe for young people, but. Uh, you know that New York Minute movie with the Olsen twins? Oh, yeah. I've seen parts of it. Okay. It is, it has a tone, like a comedic tone uh-huh. that I found like just camp, super campy. Yeah. And like the performances of like the people that are not the Olsen twins, sort of in a Joe D'Alessandro way, are like <laughs> on a different level. Who are like the adults in it? Um, I'm bad with this. I want to say that it's Stanley Tucci. Okay. That totally makes sense. Um, Jennifer Coolidge, maybe? Probably. Probably. Yeah, we'll we'll look it up. Yeah, we'll look it up. Uh, Um, But but then, okay. Okay. Because this was like the last of the Olsen twins movies, correct? Like this was their sort of big, they're like, they used, they were doing direct-to-video stuff and this was their big sort of theatrical release big budget like we're gonna be movie stars now i think i i don't i don't know i don't allow myself to follow (laughs) them too closely because uh i feel it's triggering for disordered eating and body dysmorphia to like watch those people yeah i could see i mean they've you know publicly battled uh eating disorders and stuff and they're very tiny women yeah (laughs) and yeah uh yeah 
I totally just, see that. Yeah, it, just for me, it's it's a trigger. Um, then okay, here's here's what I was really gonna say yeah. though. Then the color purple. Interesting. Yeah. Um, I'm sh- shamed to admit I've never seen. Wow. I've seen the musical of a color purple with okay. Fantasia Barino, yes, which I can for sure tell you is camp and yeah. wonderful. Yeah. Uh, the movie. It seems very serious to me, but mm. um, but that's maybe because I it is obviously ser- there are serious elements to it. It's a very serious story, but you're not the first person I think that has said that that movie that has told me that mm-hmm. that movie has campy elements. Mm. And I think especially because this book, um, the high camp books are almost completely movies uh, by and about and for white, white people. people. I know there are yeah. not that many. Um, yeah, there are not that many black movies on this list so I want to as like one of the things I want to do with this is try to like figure out what are um like black camp movies I think a lot of it lives in black exploitation and black horror yeah 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 I think that was just where there's more creative freedom for for I, I mean the transmuting of like you know the the generational pain that America that you know black Americans we're feeling yeah, and the, I mean the only types of movies that um, could get made, uh, black movies were like yeah, horror and black exploitation, and obviously even you know Color Purple is Steven Spielberg directing it. It's a white director. Yeah. Um, oh, it like struggles to be camp, and it feels like Steven Spielberg is like trying to put the lid on a pot that he shouldn't be putting the lid interesting. on. Interesting. So, do you, is there like is it um, Whoopi Goldberg and Oprah like those performances have elements of camp? Or just the story is so sort of emotional and dramatic. I, um, well, I remember, I, you know, I read the book first and mm. then was just sort of like, wow, this takes it there. This takes it where, you know, my white girl imagination was isn't able to go because yeah. it's not my experience. So um, I felt like it was like, um, you know, I, I was stepping outside of my experience or outside of like how I... Uh, perceived humans around me feeling and behaving in a way that, you know, it's kind of like what we were talking about before. Like, are these actors? I mean, I know these actors were in on it, but and and again, it 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 really deals with with mental ill with mental uh-huh. illness, mental health, and like, oof, um, yeah, I, yeah. But there's something there's something funny about it. Or there's something campy. Um, yeah, I mean. Do you, you want me to define like the thing that's yeah like what about it did you th- what what about it did you think was camp because I yeah I just yeah. haven't seen it so I'm curious oh um I guess the fact that it um it's storytelling with like there's a different narrator you know like you go into uh different people's like brain spaces I remember the camera like floating up and away huh. at times uh, there's flashbacks like it's not. I don't know, just, it's it's not like Green Book. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? There's not like... So it's like a little more experimental or... Uh... Um, I felt like, I mean, this is, this is you know... Uh, yeah, I, I, I felt um, like moved, moved by it in a way that I, I hadn't expected from... Um, yeah, from... Yeah. Cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll have to check it out. Yeah, because it's um, yeah, it's that that like, that melodrama. Those really intense emotions can, if it's not and not to even say that it like it's not what the people intended, but like mm. sometimes the, the when those emotions get super super high and super raw, mm. it can veer into uh, laughing at it or or feeling maybe because you don't want to actually confront the the real emotions. Mm. So it's like your experience of it can be campy. Um, mm. through no fault of, of the movie. Yes, yes. And, yeah. you know, I, I definitely, like, read it at a time, you know, I, well, it was my privilege to be able to be, like, reading these books and, like, writing essays and then watching the films mm-hmm. in, in, in school. So I think, yeah, like, uh, part of it was, a lot of it was definitely, like, my state of mind. Yeah, yeah. Like, That's know. awesome. So we got New York Minute and The Color Purple. Two. Yeah, but be careful with New York Minute. <laughs> take care God, of yeah. yourself Ugh, <laughs> yeah I mean they're, you know they're doing well uh, well thank you guys so much for listening thank you Bridget yeah. so much for being on this podcast yeah, um, is there anything 
remember this will probably come out eh, towards the end of July. Mm -hmm. Is there anything you want to plug? Any projects you're working on? Um, yeah, I, in August, I'm going to have a show at the Ruby Theater. It's in Los Angeles, California. It's in Los Angeles, California. It's the only, um, you know, LGBTQ focused theater space that exists, as far as I know. Um, and, um, or like they're on the board, I guess I'm saying. Of course, yeah, you mean spaces. like comedy theater in LA? Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, I don't think it's the only it's, LGBTQ it's theater. It's actually in. like, uh, yeah, uh, it's the, I'm like Andy Warholing <laughs> queerness. You can only hang out there. Um, yeah, I'm doing a show there. And then I host uh, uh, like every once in a while sh uh, show called Soapbox. Um, and it's in the backyard of Virgil Normal, which is a boutique in Silver Lake. It's a very cool show. I have gone to it. I did not go to the last one because I was doing something else, but I've been to. Brian, Brian, you were there at the first one. I, you were like the second one to arrive at yeah, the yeah. first one. And I really, it's a great show. I'll always remember it. Uh, all right. Well, thank you guys for listening. You can follow me right now uh, on Twitter and Instagram at RuckerBry. That's R-U-C-K-E-R-B-R-Y. I will at some point, I think I will by this point, actually have high camp specific social media handles. So I'll put that in the episode descriptions. Also, this podcast is on Apple podcasts and Spotify, all of your ways to, I don't know, listen to podcasts. So please, if you like the podcast, rate us five stars, give us a review. That'll help more people to find it. And, um, you know, to any friends that love old movies or camp movies or are just, you know, LGBT people that want a new podcast to listen to. Uh, please tell them about High Camp. Thank you, guys. I'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.